to the left, Bellegrini inside, Pizarro Golasso, Pizarro Golasso. Here's the goal scorer, Morgan, and he's got it again. Lewis Morgan with a second of the match. He won't have to go. He's framed the top 90. It's a sensational first goal for Gonzalo Higuain. Still the hottest intro in the game. What is up, everybody? And welcome to the Inter Miami podcast. I am Alex Papa George, joined today by Mr. Than Harrington. What's happening, bud? Yeah, what's going on, Alex? Uh, you know, glad to be back. Uh, celebrating our boy from Hershey winning Champions League. I know Jay Kington, if he was in my ear right now, he'd be telling me, I told you Chelsea would win it. Uh, you know, but you know, we're super proud of Christian and you know, just being a little little kid running around from the fields uh, around here and all of a sudden doing big things in the big stages of Europe. Uh, you know, besides that, sun's shining. It's a beautiful Memorial Day weekend. Happy to be off from work and happy to be here with you, man. Big shout out to Christian. And that's right, Jay's not here, so I got my hands all over the soundboard this episode and. You know, you're right there, man. Happy, happy Memorial Day. You know, big shout out to, you know, all our fallen troops. You know, let's don't forget the importance of this day. Uh, we really owe them everything. So I hope you're having a blast uh, this Memorial Day with your family, with your friends. And yeah, Jay is a big supporter of Chelsea football. And he uh, he is over in Longboat Key this weekend, and we'll see if we'll see if we ever see Jay again. To be honest with you, he Facetimed us a little bit earlier, and he looked redder than a tomato. So uh, I know he's definitely soaking up the sun, or the sun soaking up him. I don't really know which way to think about it, but. Uh, as we said, welcome to the Inner Miami podcast. We have a pretty sweet show lined up for everybody today. We have an update on the Matuidi Gate, a look back on the DC United fiasco that went on in our home stadium, a look ahead to our next match, which you guessed it, is against DC United in their neck of the woods. So if you thought that we were getting away from this club, not too soon. And then last but not least, we have an update from Fan on Fort Lauderdale CF and how the first quarter of their season went. Yeah, and you know, before we get into that, um, you know, we should definitely get one of the heavy hitters out of the way first, you know, and, and as you touched on, the Blaze Matweedy investigation wrapped up this week. Blaze burned us. It, nothing about it was good, but it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, you know, Blaze and Andres Reyes, they should have occupied DP slots based on their salary. However, somebody, <clears throat> Paul McDonough, <clears throat> decided that they shouldn't. Uh, LGP, Figal, and Carranza's salaries were also underreported. Thanks again to Paul McDonough. Uh, I, I, sorry, man, I got a cold rocking right now. It's <clears throat> It's been bothering me a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so the sanctions were, it was a $2 million fine to the club. $250,000 fine to Jorge Moss himself. Uh, our favorite villain, Paul McDonough, is suspended until the 2022 MLS season and subsequently was let go immediately following the investigation uh, ending. Uh, so good luck in the unemployment line, my man. And then we had a $2.3 million reduction in allocation money for not only 2022 and 2023 seasons. You know, what I want... I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say real quick, 
before you get to, you know, your take on things is the big thing. And I need everybody to remember this. We did not drop points when we could not afford to drop points. The league very well could have said, hey, you know what? Screw you guys. You know, you think you're flashy. You think you're cool. You think you're that, you know, beautiful beach god on, you know, South Beach. And, okay, now we're going to take everything away from you. But, you know, I'm off my soapbox. Alex, go. What do you got? What do you think? (laughs) We did not drop points. We shockingly did not drop players. And before I get into that, the one thing that when you say Paul, this is what comes to mind. Just truly an epic fail on all portions of the job. Just just true just truly one more time. But you're right. This could have been a lot worse when we look at the grand scheme of things. I think a lot of us were thinking that the league was either going to suspend a few of our DP players, maybe even take away a couple DP slots moving forward. And Than, to your point, you know, potential reduction in points. Uh, None of those were the fact. And I got to start thinking, man, I mean, you know, it it wasn't too long ago. I think it was in mid-February that David Beckham was he he donated about 11 million dollars. I wanted to say, is this like is a two million fine something that we can absorb with that donation or or payment to the club? I I don't know. I mean, honestly, I'd like to say so, but I I don't know. I, I have no clue what the front office is doing right now and i know that chris henderson just got there and i know he's trying to wrap his brain around everything that's going on but this just shows he has a tough road ahead of him to untangle the mess that paul mcdonough left him um you would hope that that monetary value could somehow play into it where we don't really get hit so hard with that money but at the same time i don't i don't hold faith that we'd be able to pull that off as a hey look what we did please don't hit us again yeah, you're absolutely right, man. And I mean, you know, uh, the Inter Miami podcast had uh, sent out a, a search committee to find my Tweedy's condo in uh, North Miami Beach. And it's been a few weeks since we've actually heard from anyone. So if you do have any information, do let us know. Uh, we think Paul is a part of this at some capacity uh, and probably Orlando City. So we're not sure. We don't have any supporting evidence of that. But if you do know where these people's whereabouts, do give us the call. Yes, I will offer a minor, minor, minor reward for anybody who can uh, who, who can give us any location. And I'm talking like a dollar and maybe a stick of juicy fruit because I am a father and a husband and I cannot afford any more than that. I'll, I'll see your dollar and I'll raise you a Dogecoin. How about that? So you're sitting about a buck 30 right now. But uh, but who knows that? Could be $2 by the end of the year. But anyway, we did have a match that went on last Saturday night. Uh, You know, on the unfortunate side, the match did happen and we did get our ass kicked. But on the fortunate side, it was the first time we got to see our club in a full capacity stadium. And I got to say, bravo to everyone and, and La Familia in particular. The place was electric. Saturday night just had roars echoing throughout Fort Lauderdale of the arena. Again, we just have the best fans in the league. And, 
you know, I'd really like to know what other people think about our fans because, you know, from what we see on traveling, you know, matches, we annihilate the home crowd even when we're playing in their home arena. So big shout out to La Familia supporting this club every single week, showing up, doing the right things and, you know, sharing, sharing our love in a, a very Philadelphia way, you know, very Philadelphia in a, in, in a sense. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, the cool part is, Dan, is uh, this was the first match that actually got to sit in my season tickets, like where we were going to sit for now until eternity. You know, hopefully maybe we can actually get a little bit closer. Uh, you know, we're definitely in the nosebleed sections, but hey, that's where the true fans hang out, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't matter as long as you're at the game, you know, on the field, up in the nosebleeds, as long as you're there supporting the team and having a good old time and getting a little bit of raucous and rowdy action in, we're good to go, right? Yeah, man. I got to ask, how did the jerseys look through the screen? How, how did that come off in this game? Okay, so I have been very vocal about this, whether it be Facebook. If you guys are following our Twitter page, which we hope you are, you know how vocal I've been about it. I did not like them. I cannot stand them. I thought they were, I, I don't know. I, I just did not like the design. Now, before anybody jumps on my back, hear me out. I like the cause. I'm very big in, in you know, bringing awareness to that cause. But if I wanted to go see Miami FC play down the road, I would have gone and done that because it looks like we just borrowed their kits for the night. You might have wanted to check out the Miami FC game instead of this one, to be honest with you. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think that people are going to hate you if you say anything negative about the jerseys because the cause. And I do want to say and reiterate, Fan is absolutely right. It doesn't have anything to do with the cause. We support that here at IMPC. The one thing that bugged me a little bit about it was on such a historic evening, why couldn't we just wear our traditional colors for, for this match? And I get that it was a whole league event and, you know, all the different teams had to throw on this jersey. But I guess just with the magnitude of this match being what it was and really kind of, you know, we've been robbed of that experience since last year when we were supposed to play the L.A. Galaxy in Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, it just kind of it, it seemed a little bit out of place. I don't think I was uh, that um you know, I don't know what's the right word that, uh, you know, I didn't think it was terrible, but it was just kind of in, in context that got me a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, we, we could have pushed for it. We could have said, Hey, we want to wear La Palma out there for our first time out, or if we want to just go out and wear our normal home kits. Um, but no, the league forced Will Ferrell semi-pro movies, basketball Jersey onto us for our first home game as full capacity fans, as a full La Familia. And unfortunately, that's a memory we're going to have to live with. It is. It is. And that is one hell of a memory of semi-pro for us and all the Will Ferrell fans out there. And that actually just brought a smile to my face thinking about that bowler that we got to experience a few weeks back before an Inter-Miami game. That was probably the most excitement our club has seen in the last few weeks, I got to say. Um, but the game did end in a routing of Inter-Miami in our home stadium. I think it was... Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was the worst loss we have had at home in our entire franchise is very short history. So we did get routed. The score was three to zero. And honestly, everyone, 
This could have been eight to zero if DC United was a little bit more pure and crisp on their plays. The loss drops us to the 11th seed in the East and the 20th seed in the race for the Supporter Shield. So, you know, uh, we're no mathematicians over here at the Inter Miami podcast, but that does mean that we have two wins, two ties, and four losses so far this year. Yeah, and you know, one thing to keep in mind is that we are currently 11th, but we have a game in hand on Toronto and Chicago and two games in hand on FC Cincinnati. So who knows what it's going to look like when everything shakes out. Uh, but we could easily be, you know, 14th right now. and We could be looking up at FC Cincinnati, which gets my stomach turning a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that, that the Cincinnati game, I mean, listen, man, we could have easily been walking out of that arena with one point and you know gonzalo with some late game heroics you know saved it for us there we were up all match kicking their ass you know in their home stadium actually being released so you know we were playing you know that card uh, devastation so you know dan let's just let's don't beat about on the bush let's just go ahead and dive into the dcu united game i know that you wanted to share an overview of the stats of the match all right, so I mean, obviously three nothing. Thank you, Ola Kamara and Paul Ariola for sinking our battleship. Um, ultimately, though, if you look at the stats, we were in this game. I know the, the score does not, you know, indicate that we were, but looking at it, we had fifty-seven percent possession to DC's forty-three. Uh, we had the same amount of shots on target, uh, but. DC clipped us with three more shots. It was a very, very, very chippy game. Um, 17 fouls for DC, and we had 10, so 27 total fouls. Strangely enough, there was only three yellow cards for DC and one for uh, one for us, uh, two of which came when Lewis Morgan had enough of an upstart 18-year-old and threw him to the dirt WWE style. I was off my couch applauding that. I don't I don't know what you thought about that there, Alex, but I definitely was uh, getting a little riled up about that. I spilled my beer. I was so freaking pumped. But uh, listen, man, this, this game was one of those games that if you look back on, you know, 10 years from now, when you look at the statistics of this match, you're kind of scratching your head on how the hell did that team lose 3-0? I feel like they should have won 3-0 with those types of statistics. I mean, the big point out in the match is really the possession. You know, Inter-Miami sitting at 58% as DC United sits at 42%. And typically, this is a statistic that we do not fare so well and we typically do lose this now I guess this is a good point and good time to bring up the fact that although that is 58 percent the the possession and the passing you know is not effective there's no there's no aggressive nature to it you know it's more of a retrieve type of passing where they're trying trying to retreat and actually and obviously that does you know increase your pass percentage but I guess where I'm going with this is that the possession that we're having isn't necessarily scary, aggressive possession. This isn't, you know, let's put attack and pressure on the defense. This is more, let's hold the ball, which, you know, trust, I'd rather have the ball than not, but there is an equilibrium. There is a balance of how you need to attack with the ball and our team week after week after week struggles with this. Absolutely. And I, th- I think I tweeted out mid game. I said, yes, let's keep, passing the ball back to Shawcross because that is working out so well for us. And 
I don't understand what the mindset is with the team right now where we pass the ball out, let's say McCarthy to Figal, because, you know, Figal was the 12th man for DC. Let's just put that nicely. All right. But, you know, give it out to Figal. Then we kick it up to our midfield and we never look to the left side of the pitch. We are looking towards Lewis all the time. And while he definitely is, you know, our talisman, I would say, uh, I might catch some flack for that, but he is our talisman right now. We need to be able to spread the ball out and go other places with it. With that being said, we also need other people to be comfortable on the ball. Too many times during the DC match, somebody would get the ball and and then panic. Let's talk about Blaze. He'd get the ball and he'd almost like uh, like Shaquille O'Neal down on the post. Pivot, 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 pivot. All right. I'm looking to see Gregore or Gregory go down the field, go after it, maybe be out of position. So what? But make the passes, spread the ball out, and get this team moving. Keep the possession, but keep it effective. Keep it attacking. You know so, what? I, I, I resent that Shaquille O'Neal. You know, as, as a lifetime Laker fan, I got to tell you, Shaquille O'Neal has one goal thus far this year if he plays on this club. I got to tell you, he's banging in a corner, sitting at 6 7 1, 365. I mean, if, I mean, let's put it this way he would probably move faster than Gonzalo up a pitch. Just saying. <laughs> there is no doubt. If Shaquille O'Neal was running backwards, he would be moving faster than Gonzalo Higuain right now. And, you know, I guess with Gonzalo Higuain, he had another mate in the starting lineup in Carranza, who is not typically there. But, Dan, there were a couple lineup changes to go over on this match. Yeah, absolutely. So we had uh, Uloa, who's one of my favorites and that's a little bit of sarcasm for you guys out there he actually got moved to another position so he was starting at center mid uh Carranza was out front with uh, Higuain and then Christian McCoon got his first start as a member of the first team replacing Captain Yellow Card himself uh since he decided to accumulate so many so early on uh you know in, in terms of Carranza uh, I was happy to see him get out there, actually. You know, anything that would possibly mix it up to allow for any of our other players to get out there and get into space. The benefit with Carranza starting, at least my opinion, was that not a lot of teams knew about him. So there wouldn't be much for them to base their tactics off of. Um, you know, unfortunately, we didn't see a lot out of him that game. We saw some flashes in the pan. Again, another missed header like he had against FC Cincinnati. But the positive to that was it was not that far off. What do you think of Carranza, Alex? I like to see him out there. You know, if we have him, you know, keep in mind, everyone, let's rewind a little bit. Pella, Pella Messi and Carranza were actually our first two signings ever in this club. And, you know, this year, if it's not going to be anything, I think it's just going to be a trial run for a lot of these players. You know, it, it, we'll talk about it a little bit later in the podcast, but if we got to hit that red button again, you know, this is our time to really evaluate talent in front of our eyes. And, you know, with Robbie out dealing with a, a nagging hamstring and, you know, really not a good option to replace that, especially with Pizarro being out of the lineup, why not give Carranza a start? You know, let's see what he's got. 
unfortunately for us, I just don't think the refs really like Carranza and I don't think the refs really like us as a team. So I think it's a really not so good combination, but you know, We'll see. We'll see. And I know that there was some breaking news, too, about the first club with, I believe it was Ascona, right before we jumped on the podcast as well to, to kind of affect our availability in the offensive side as well. Yep. So Eddie is heading back to Fort Lauderdale CF. I am excited for this move. I have been screaming to see him on the pitch, see him getting minutes because unfortunately, I feel like time is being wasted. Uh, you know, his his time up in the first team. Uh, I mean, just look what happened during the game. He had a beautiful run started then. Oh, here comes Papa Federico stealing it off his foot. Cause you can't have, let your kid have the candy for too long. You know, like I, I just want to see him grow. I want to see him do well. I want to see him be the cornerstone of our team going forward. Um, and I think if he can go back down to Fort Lauderdale and get more time down there, we should let him do that. On top of that, at some point, we need to look at Felipe Valencia heading back down. There's no room for Felipe right now, and he's not going to grow any farther, just like Eddie, as as long as he's on the first team, not getting any minutes. If you're not going to play, I don't know why you just don't go get the playing experience that you need. And if Phil Neville's not going to put these youngsters in the game for you know whatever reasons he may have – then developing this talent is something we got to do. You know, we have to see how high these these players, we can get their ceilings, you know, their performance levels, and ultimately evaluate if we want to keep them on the team or not. And, you know, I don't mean to flop back to Julian, but, you know, one thing about, you know, Julian that I've seen is just, it almost seems like he's playing for a call. You know, he, he he's he's expecting a call, you know, he's looking at the rest for a call, whereas, you know, you just got to play, man. You, do, you just got to let the calls fall as they're going to fall and just play the game because, you know what, there, there's no better way to say F you to the other team and to the refs than putting one behind the goalie. And that's how you do it on the pitch. And, you know, hopefully he can find his way a little bit. I know we're going to need him with DC United and following that Orlando City down here, I believe. Um, so we're going to go ahead and... Kind of going to need Julian to step up for us. But, you know, the other striker that we're talking about on the club is RDP, and that is Gonzalo Higuain. I got to say, man, he looks slow as shit out there. And I don't think that this is something that has to do with conditioning or being tired. I just think that this is something that you're dealing with old legs. And he's not one of those, you know, bring it back over the NBA playoffs, right? You know, that Russell Westbrook, you know, going to go out there and just kick every, you know, just go for it, right? Every single, every single game. It really looks like Gonzalo is slow out there. It looks like he's getting outplayed by MLS players. And I'm sure when he came over to this league, that's something that he would not imagine people saying. Now, timeout. I'm going to give you some shit now because you just put my boy Russell Westbrook in the same conversation with Gonzalo Higuain. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I get the context you're heading in, but, you know, Russell would at least have a little more fight than Gonzalo is showing right now. And unfortunately for the youth in our system, and I know I'm going to catch some flack for this because I usually do when I come on the pod, but Gonzalo is not a good role model for the youth in our in our system right now. Case in point, Carranza looking for the calls. The first person I see in our first team 
screaming for a call is Gonzalo either on his knees or standing up, hands up in the air, screaming at the official, you know, earning his Kratos God of War, you know, moniker. But we don't need that. Stop looking at Gonzalo as a role model. Yes, he's great. Yes, he was good, especially during his time with Napoli uh, and, and Juve. But he, he's got to know that he has to be better. And you're talking about having old legs. This is exactly why I say to everybody who wants to sign Joe Schmo from Blackpool FC out of you know the English Championship – we have to understand that we can bring in as many big names that might be past their prime, but if they're not going to be on the field to give us 100% all the time because either they think the MLS is a retirement league or they're just playing out a contract to see if their agent gets there somewhere else, we, we, we just don't, don't bring them. Let's start letting our youth, our more positive players, our, our more up-and-coming players have the field and – go at it for us, you know, play for the shirt, play for the crest. Culture, culture, culture comes back to that word. And you're right. That is something that is not just not being a good role model for the, for the youth, but that's just not spreading enthusiasm around your team. And when it's something that's so glaring as your body language, which is something that you have 100% control over it's really kind of frustrating to the fans, you know, being that we do pay a lot of money to go to these games and travel around the country to see this club play. And, you know, keep in mind, everyone, Lewis Morgan is on the same club as Gonzalo Higuain, but he has quite a different reputation around this team just because the effort that he gives day in and day out. So it is interesting to see that and, you know, I got a question, Than. Do you think that we have Gonzalo on this team next year? I, at this point, I'm going to say I hope we don't. I personally believe that he is not worth what we're paying him right now. And I think that way about a few players. But Gonzalo in particular is not... As I said, I could, I could beat the dead horse all day. He's not scoring a lot. You know, he had that awesome screamer that missed during the D.C. United game. But he's also not being a leader we brought him in to be. And listen, let's get off the negative train and let's talk about the positive train here. And, you know, I said this last pod, you know, I'll say it again, this pod. I absolutely think Lewis Morgan is going to be a designated player for this club within the next few years. I don't think we can afford to lose this guy. And I think as he continues to play well, we're going to have to invest in our asset in Lewis and keep him on this club. So, you know, with that, Than, I know you wanted to talk about Lewis. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to take a quick second. I'm going to pull out my soapbox here and, uh, yeah, Lewis, is far and away my favorite player on this squad. And, you know, as like, it, this is almost an open apology to, you know, Lewis and his family and, and his agent, agent, John Hassel, you know, Lewis, we don't deserve you. We don't deserve you on this team. We do not deserve the, the effort you put forth, the fight that you show, the engagement you have with the fans, the the love and and you know just the smiles after the toughest game for the kids that come up to you and just want to see you. We don't deserve you. 
we deserve to give you better than what you're 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 getting right now. Uh, if you watch the DC game, you see him on uh, one play that will stick out for me for the rest of the season. He's going down the right-hand touchline, and he does three ball flicks right in a row and keeps possession to find Carranza sitting in an offside position. Another play, he free kicks it to Shawcross, who, and I'll give him credit for a center back. He did the best he could, but he couldn't finish it. Yet Lewis put it on a dime for him. Lewis is the future of our club. In my mind, he is our captain. Stop doing the rotating captain's armband nonsense. Let's just give him the captaincy. Let's let him lead. Because right now, the fans are the most receptive to Lewis in the positive way. And we need him to be the face and the leader of the franchise that we are so desperately looking for right now. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, we've given the we've given the armband to Uyoya, Gonzalo, Blaze, and I think LGP, which I think that match was actually trying to protect him from getting another yellow card. So I don't know if I can count that in totality. But I think you're spot on, man. He is our leader, at least from the fans' perspective. There is no doubt about that. And really, he's kind of the only person who comes in every single game and presents a true offensive threat to the defense, match in and match out. And we really need it. I mean, right now, looking at some statistics, we have eight goals on the year, which is 19th in the MLS. And do keep in mind, there are 26 teams in the MLS. So not good. We've, we've talked enough about Lewis. We have the attack. You know, we, we got to start looking at some of our other issues. And right now, to me, the midfield's just disappeared. I don't know if, if Harry Houdini's has done a magic trick and stolen our, our potentially talented midfield. But, uh, you know, right right now, they're nowhere to be seen. It seems like just yesterday we were praising Matweedy, and, and now it seems like we can't find him. Uh, again, keep in mind, we are looking for his, his flat, his condo. So... That reward still stands as a as a dollar juicy fruit and a Doge coin, and, and and quite frankly, we need you guys to find him because he hasn't shown up since game three. Well, that that Doge coin is up a cent, so you now got a dollar thirty one coming your way. So if you do have any information about the whereabouts, do let us know. But yeah, man, not good or in other words no bueno we have absolutely zero threat coming from our midfield and you know we talk about it every week federico couldn't be our savior this week the damage was done too early for us but federico is quite literally the only offensive minded not even threat minded player that we have outside of potentially Pizarro, but we haven't even seen that all year. So right now, you know, we're starting people like Uyoya, Blaze, and, and Gregory, and people like that who are all defensive-minded players with no real offensive threat, yet we're giving up three goals at home. So that is not a good combination. If you're going to load up on one side, you, you'd really hope that that is more of the, the Stoutly crew, if I can say. Yeah, and, you know, I'm actually going to go against what you said i if i had to pick one and if i had to just pick one i would say that gregory's the only one that's shown up for us he's out there i mean he bodied a dude against dc united he looked like demario davis coming through the hole and taken out which i thought he deserved the yellow for but neither here nor there you know and, and and i think that gregory realizes hey we need somebody in the midfield we need somebody to take the game 
you know, a bull by its horns, and he's making those runs. Problem is, Blaze and whoever's out there with him is not recognizing the hole that needs to be filled, and the floodgates open at that point when Gregory runs forward. Uh, you know, at this point, he's the only option we have. And, you know, you brought up Pizarro. He's quote-unquote injured with a hip flexor that keeps popping up, you know, right before the game starts. I mean, Rodolfo, if you listen to us, I'm going to tell you this right now. My six-year-old has a tummy ache before every game, but he still laces up and gets out in the field. So I'm going to go ahead and need you to, you know, earn your keep and start doing something or get out. There's there's always a bigger fish, my man. Oh, goodness. Who knows if we'll ever see him on the Inter-Miami team anymore, man. I mean, we'll, we'll just see. Maybe the excuses will just keep racking up. But you're right. You know, Gregory has performed very, very well for us this year. He shows up with an edge about him. And honestly, a tackling ability that Ray Lewis himself would be proud of because that was one hell of a hit. We are down here around the University of Miami, and I'm sure all the Canes could be proud of that one. But, you know, Gregory has been playing very well with us. It doesn't seem like he has a running mate. And, you know, again, we talked about it. Unfortunately, Pizarro seems, quote unquote, out with a hip flexor uh, because that would be the guy. And, you know, again, super defensive minded midfield group, Uyoya. Uh, Gregory, as well as Matuidi, but the defense was terrible. It was terrible this game. There were two goals in the first 22 minutes. The first goal came within, I think it was 15 minutes of the match. Really sucked the energy out of the crowd, which was the most disappointing part about the whole goal is, you know, listen, you're down 1-0 in front of your home fans, and listen, we're fighting like crazy to get back in that game, but to concede a second goal in seven minutes really deflates the home crowd, and really that was all the chatter around uh, the, the stadium at halftime, and unfortunately for us, it did not stop there. We did end up giving a third goal up in the second half, uh, which is not good, sir. No, and to be honest, i got to ask you a question. Do you think that we should fairly give Nico Figal two assists on the night because they were both his fault. And I know the rust needed to be kicked off and I know he was, he was doing the best he could, but some of those passes were, as you put it, shocking. It was something I would expect to see on the highlight films down at the Academy, not from our first teamer who we are relying on to keep the back line watertight when McCarthy's having his own problems as it is. Yeah. Nico's one of those players that is a little bit reckless out there uh, sometimes. And, you know, that's a really big understatement to be honest with you. And the conversation came up a few episodes ago where we discussed if LGP and Fagal really had a spot on the same team. You know, they're very much similar in their play, being hyper-aggressive. Personally, I'd rather LGP, but again, we have to consider yellow card allocations. You can't just be in and out of the lineup like this and be a leader and wear the captain's armband, you know, and be missing, you know, every six, seven, you know, five games, however that may look. So, you know, our defense just got worked absolutely worked and honestly i've been a big supporter of ryan shawcross this year and 
he just got played with. He got absolutely annihilated in this game. You know, really the third goal comes to mind on the back post header, which was a very good play, but he was getting abused left and right on that pitch, uh, just like the rest of our back line. But I think Nico and, you know, Ryan were two folks that, you know, definitely caught my eye on struggling a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's safe to say that Shaw Cross could do it on a rainy night at Stoke, but he can't do it on a full capacity night in Miami. It, I was excited for the dude. When I saw him in Philly, I got off my seat. I was applauding. I was like, hell yeah, here comes here comes Ryan Shawcross. He's gonna he's gonna be what we need. And again, it's like you touched on with Gonzalo, old legs. Right now, old legs. You know who doesn't have old legs? Sammy Gatorade. And we have not seen him. We have not seen Sammy. And again, I'm I'm getting frustrated because Sammy needs time. Sammy needs to develop. If we're not going to start Sammy, send him back to Fort Lauderdale. You know, we have seen him put defend or put uh, attackers in his pocket and lock down uh, to end the game a few times, lock down the side of the field. So I know we're relying on Jovan Jones. I know we're relying on Kevin Leardham, but Sammy is not that far behind some of these guys. I know it might be blasphemous to say, but he's not. We need to get him on the field to see what he can do. I mean, what? when else are you going to do it? A 3-0 loss to D.C. You're not coming back. You've shown no signs of life. You've been declared dead since the you know 22nd minute. Let the boys play. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with you on that. Sammy's also kind of one of those interesting players because he quite literally might be a top five athlete on our club. The dude is very athletic. And to your point, let's see what he has got. That's kind of been a little bit of a reoccurring theme. Let's evaluate talent. You know, we have to get some of these young players that if we're not going to sign people like LGP who do cost a lot of money, you know, when their contract do expire, when we expect some of these younger players to step in and make their mark, they have to get some type of playing time. And, you know, there is one more piece of the puzzle here, Than, and that is John McCarthy. And there's a lot to discuss with him. But, you know, before we get into John, you know, I felt like as our team was really excelling during the beginning of this year, I felt like our back line was really protecting John, if I can say it like that. You know, pressure wasn't on John. There was about, you know, one to four shots on goal every single game and you know now we fast forward to some of these matches and you know they're sitting in kind of the five to seven to eight slot so you know necessarily our back line isn't helping out our goalkeeper and boy do we need it john has now given up the most goals in the entire league oh i'm sorry boy i wanted to say that not yet everybody that is probably next week. He's actually given up the second most goals trailing Cincinnati FC with 13 goals given up on the season. That is absolutely no bueno. And he is third to last place in the MLS in save percent sitting at 61.8. And that is not a good formula for success. No, absolutely not. And I will give John credit. And I don't know if you saw it sitting in the stands, but partway through the game, I think it was after the second goal, he's looking around his defenders and he's pointing at his chin and lifting his head up. He's trying to get everybody, hey guys, lift your head up. Lift your head up. We're still in it. John, that's not going to do it, man. I have a novel idea. Stop shots. 
I don't know if that's, I mean, I don't know. That could be a thing. I, and, and anybody who listens to the pod knows I've never been on John McCarthy's side. Jay and I famously went at it during the preseason about how I thought John was terrible and I didn't think he was going to be our guy. I sat back and ate my words for a couple matches because John looked decent. And then he looked like he was trying to scoop water out of a lake with a fishing net over the past. Like he, he just can't do anything right. And honestly, if we want to keep the fans from burning down drive pink stadium, we need to see or hear or, you know, even Google maps identify where he is, Nick Marsman. I'm not saying that that's going to make things any better because let's keep in mind, folks, he hasn't played in a while. He wasn't even the first selection on his own team. But for whatever reason, the front office said, hey, he's our guy. You know, um, not saying we could afford somebody like Donnarumma who just left AC Milan, or I would be happy to give up De Gea after that Europa League final debacle. But I mean, I don't know. Like we just have to do something to keep the fans happy until Nick Marsman gets here. And right now, just even a three sentence update. Hey, Nick's on his way. There's absolutely nothing about Nick out there in the social media world. If you, if you do have any information, do go ahead and hit us up at inner Miami podcast on any of the social media platforms. And fan, I do echo your thoughts. I have been famously quoted for calling John McCarthy, the Andy Dalton of the MLS. And that is not a good comparison. He is someone who can step in probably win you a game or two, but he's not going to be your workhorse throughout the season. And Nick Marsman has to get his behind down here as fast as possible, because if he doesn't, I'm going to have to hit up Luis Robles and bring him out of retirement. One arm and all. I don't care if it's in a cast. Luis at least gave us some cajones in the goal that or in, in the goal. And he just, I don't know. He did not let in some of these leakers that John has. And unfortunately, I just think he picked a bad time to retire. Fortunately for us, I'm sure he would be arguing quite the opposite, probably chilling on Miami Beach with a, a Mai Tai and his family running around. I'm sure he's enjoying life. I know we all hope so. And for all my nerds out there keeping track of the stats, uh, we are now up to 20 yellow cards on this season thus far. That's over eight games. That is not good. And super quick math, that is 2.5 yellow cards per game over eight matches this season. We have 116 fouls conceded. Again, very, very bad. We are averaging one goal per 90 minutes while averaging 1.6 goals per 90 minutes. Again, not a winning ratio. And for the shots that we do get on goal, only 13.1% are scored on. So we're not shooting the ball enough. We're not scoring the ball enough. We're not really doing enough of anything. No, and I mean, that's that's awful. I, I, I don't mean to be, you know, I, I know it sounds like I've just been condescending this entire time of what the team's doing, but it's terrible. And as we'll touch base on here in a little bit, our feeder team, our academy team, Fort Lauderdale CF, is producing better than our overpaid first team right now, which is mind-boggling to me. 
gosh knows we could we could use a few of those youngsters and just throw them out there see what happens but you know man we gotta lead we, we must be leading the league in turnovers because we don't care about the ball for a lick every time we get this ball the defense is either putting pressure on us and we're getting scared in the back third but also in tandem i gotta i gotta say that i'm also gonna put a little bit of blame on the coaching staff you know Week after week, we see our club get pressure. We have to address this, organize our team, and really give them instructions on how to beat this type of press because with pressure does offer opening lanes. And if you're able to capitalize on a couple of these counterattacks that these teams are coming in and playing uber aggressive, you know, we may be able to bump our ratio up from goals scored per game, which is something we mightily need. Yeah, we're not sitting too well in the goal scored per game. I think in our own conference, we're at negative five. And that is only beating Chicago at negative seven and FC Cincinnati at negative nine. Keep in mind, we've played eight. Chicago's played seven. Cincinnati's played six. So, I, we, I mean, we don't look good. Uh, and, and turnovers, you're absolutely correct. It, it I come back to Figal getting the ball and trying to pass Shawcross. I don't know. It looked like he hit it with a wet pool noodle, and all of a sudden Kamara had a, a, a run at it. We have to tighten this back up ASAP, or we are going to get run over in the upcoming games. And, and as you hit on, you know, we're going to DC. Uh, we have Orlando coming up soon, so we're gonna need to figure it out fast. We're gonna have to figure it out super fast sir because our schedule does not really get easier looking a little bit ahead we play dc united in washington dc then we play orlando city down here in fort lauderdale then we actually have a home game against montreal uh that is actually a away game that we're going to be a home game for that's interesting but and after that, we have the New York Red Bulls who have been playing pretty well this year. And then trailing, we have the New England Revolution as well as the Philadelphia Union. So it does not get easier for us at all. This DC United team is scrappy. Fan, we were actually texting before the match talking about you know what our expectations were and what we thought. And honestly, you and I both came away a little bit nervous prior to that match because DC United poses a lot of threats that we do not. And that starts with kind of their energy and enthusiasm. They play super hard for the entire 90 minutes of the match. And up until this point, they really haven't had their full lineup and roster. It's been really injury bitten. And we experienced, unfortunately, the return of a couple really key assets and, and pieces of their puzzle. So, you know, fortunately for us, we had mentioned it earlier in the pod, but there is quite an extensive break. We're looking at about a three-week gap until our next match, which again is an away match against DC on June 19th at 8 p.m. So that'll be a rematch of this last game here this last Saturday. So again, going to be more, very, very much more of the same. You know, they kicked our butt down here. You know, they're looking to kick our butt up there. We cannot let that happen. My two keys to success in this game starts off with numero uno. And we talk about it each and every week. And gosh, just give it to us. It's effort. It's effort. It's effort. It's effort. It's starting at the back line. It's playing together. We got to protect John. If John's not going to stop the ball, we got to stop the players before they even get to John. So let's go ahead and put 
a big effort out on the pitch and I know we can turn this around. And number two is let's create some type of offensive pressure through the central streams. Hopefully Pizarro is back and he can really lead that initiative. But if he's not, someone's going to have to do it. Blaze, step up. Jay Chapman, let's go off for your best game, you know, of the season. Do what you got to do. Who knows? But, you know, those are my thoughts. Dan, what do you what do you think we got to do to go up to D.C. and get a dub? We it's simple. We have to show we care. We have, again, one person, maybe two, fighting for the shirt and the crest fighting for the fans, fighting for Miami in general. We need to show some some love for what we're doing. Newsflash, gentlemen, you get paid to play a kid's game. There's thousands of other people out there that would be loved getting paid the salary you're getting paid to play for a beautiful city, a beautiful fan base. And I feel like some of these folks are taking it to... Not, not to heart because they've played in World Cup finals. They've played in Champions League. They've played in Serie A. They played in Premier Leagues. Go out there and care. That's all we're asking for, you know. And, and honestly, if they don't want to, so be it. But then I think we need to start looking around the July mark as to where we sit and possibly think about blowing the team up. I think we'd have to start from, you know, a certain two, three, four building blocks and, and, and build, build upwards from there. Because as we touched on in Pink Smoke a few editions ago, this is the make or break point to the schedule for us. As you touched on, we're going to be away at D.C. And then we don't really have – we have one home game between – or I'm sorry, we have one away game between June 25th and then when we go to Orlando, August 4th. So we essentially get to stay at home for the majority of June, July. We need to take advantage of that. And as I said, if we can't and, and we don't care and we don't want to give the product to the fans, we need to hit that emergency reset button and really reevaluate who's here and why they're here. Begs the conversation. We blew this club up last year. And the question is, did we not blow it up enough? That is really the question. You know, it seems like there's still some pieces left over on the Diego regime. And some may argue that we pulled the plug on Diego a little too early in that sense. You know, we are an expansion club. You know, we did have COVID hit us last year and we had a roster that was simply half full uh, in the 2020 season. So if we do blow it up one more time, it's got to be starting from scratch. You know, move Lewis into one of your DP slots, get rid of these other two. Um, and, you know, start building that way. Hopefully, again, through more of your academy systems, we do have some really young talent and, you know, not be, you know, don't want to go back too far. But Sammy, again, I thought we were going to see a bigger role in Sammy, especially with Dylan Nealis leaving the team as well. Dylan had a lot of playing time last year, as he, he rightfully deserved. And I thought with him leaving, that would open the door for Sammy. But that has not been the case. So, you know, that is enough Inter-Miami talk, fan. Why don't you go ahead and let's just talk Fort Lauderdale CF, man. Let's go ahead and give the listeners an update. You know, we get a lot of questions over the weeks about this club and really appreciate all that you do on Pink Smoke covering Fort Lauderdale CF. So right now, why don't you go ahead and share an update on where we are today, quarter through the season. Um, give us a rundown, man. 
All right. Well, Fort Lauderdale loves to uh, add another nail to my coffin when it comes to my love for uh, all things inner Miami. And, you know, I say that as weird as it sounds with all love in the world, because Fort Lauderdale is playing great football and the stats I'm about to tell you won't prove that. But if you look at their games through to this point, they lost one, nothing to revs two. They won one, nothing to uh, against uh, South Georgia Tormenta. They lost four, two to North Texas, but then they won two, one against Richmond. They lost two, nothing to uh, Union Omaha. And then they absolutely housed FC Tucson five to one in that game. Uh, and then we followed up with uh, Chattanooga Red Wolves, lost 2-1. And then yet again, we lost to New England, 1-0. Which brings us up to uh, a break before tomorrow's game against forward Madison. With that being said, they're sitting fifth out of 12 teams on the table. They have played eight games. And they have won three, as I said, and lost five. For whatever reason, Fort Lauderdale does not believe in a tie. We We will not go out and draw. We will either win outright or we will collapse in our our own hole of despair and say yep we're done all right uh defensively they've conceded 12 goals in eight games and they've only kept one clean sheet with that being said the positive would be that they only have one penalty conceded a lot of that has to do with the constant rotation of players in and out we saw mabika and we haven't seen him again uh, you know, we had Zamudio in goal, which I was stoked about. I was happy with his play. He he seemed to really be holding down the net. And then Drake Callender got moved down. And all of a sudden, Zamudio wasn't good enough anymore. Um, you know, distribution-wise, we're, we're playing a clean game. We have an 81.5% completed pass rate. Our big problem is when we go into long passing, we are only sitting at a 49% which means that we are trying way too hard to find that final ball. And I think a lot of it has to do with those games where we're down one nothing, or we're down, uh, you know, 1-0, 2-0, or we're even tied 1-1. We're trying to force the issue too much. Our best passing comes out of the back, which we're sitting at an 88%, which is phenomenal. I mean, I'm not sure, Alex, if you've seen – uh, a passing stat that high in any level of soccer that's sustained over this long of a, of a run. Um, but with that being said, they only complete 71% of the passing in the front half while they do, uh, you know, about 83 open play crosses to this point with only 13 completed. You know, what do you think about Fort Lauderdale's defense and distribution in that regard, Alex? I mean, listen, you touched on it. Outstanding. Outstanding. Standing stats as the completed size are being shown here, sir. But you're absolutely right. The long ball is not good and the long ball is tricky. We learned that out the hard way on the first team last year. And, you know, listen, I, I got to kind of fall back a little bit more into what we talked about on the possession game a little bit earlier in the podcast and really kind of break down like, uh, are, are most of those completed passing passes in more of an aggressive manner? Or are they more playing a little bit more defensive where they're playing the ball back to the goalkeeper and back line? So honestly, they're playing a little more the same style. The first team is, but they have a better passer. Uh, you know, Ethan Harden, myself dubbed captain fantastic. He's, he's been lights out. He is actually leading the League One, USL League One, in passing with 488 passes completed. 
that's absurd from, you know, a center back. That's more like a CDM, you know, cam center mid stat line to me. Um, and with the effectiveness of it, then he's able to move the ball up and and go forward. But right now it's just a lot of, of, a lot of back pass, play it out the back, see what we can build up. And, you know, not to just give all the credit to Ethan, but uh, Noah Allen and uh, Christian Lou Young are, are lighting it up as well. Allen and, and Young are patrolling the wings and actually looking through the stat lines. Allen actually leads the league in crosses with 42. So they're, they're trying to find their own identity, but right now it's played out the back. Is there a player that we should be watching right now to maybe join the senior club? Or do you think that those are the players who are kind of going back and back and forth through division? So I don't think we have anybody right now that could make an instant impact. If, if you were twisting the arm and, and, and making me pick one, I would have to say Acosta because we're lacking in the midfield area. If you're saying, hey, what is our projection going forward for maybe the next season or two? Uh, it would have to be Noah Allen or, or uh, Ethan Harden. Ethan and Noah usually are lined up next to each other, which eliminates half of the field uh, for the opponent's possession and the attacking side. If you were to watch the last match against, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Revs 2, watch that last match. Revs would come up the field, locate where Noah and Ethan were, and pass away from it. And that's what gave up the goal for uh, Fort Lauderdale's defense is because they they went to the weaker side and, you know, Ethan can't be all over the place at once. You know, I think if we are looking to pass from the back and continue this going forward, you don't want to have a shot cross back there. Given him more experience, given him more time to grow, I would put any dollar amount that Ethan Harden ends up on uh, first team uh, within the next two seasons. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Let's hope that is the case. And I guess one player that stands out, man, is good to see George Acosta, you know, local kid doing well with the club. Love to see that success. And, you know, the last thing I want to ask you about this team, man, is I got to ask, how, how's Colander doing? I know a lot of chatter has been around the goalkeeping position, you know, with John McCarthy being in goal and Nick coming over. But is there promise from what you see out of Drake in the playing time that he's gotten? It's hard to tell. And I'll say that because we keep rotating players in and out. I have not been a fan with the player management uh, by Coach Powell only because if you look at the stat line with the folks that we had on the team to begin with, we were more competitive in games. Now we are outside of our comfort zones with a lot of players playing with each other, which in terms has led to players like Drake facing more shots. At this point, uh, Drake Calendar has 12 saves, which is third in the league, but he only started playing with the team, I want to say, three games ago. Don't quote me on that. Um, and between him and Zamudio, they have one clean sheet, which was Zamudio against uh, South Georgia Tormenta on April 17th. For those of you listening, yes, it's May 31st. We've had one clean sheet in that time. So it, 
I, long story short, I don't know if I can give you an honest assessment of calendar because he does not have a consistent group of people in front of him where he can gain, uh, you know, some trust with in order to make the decisions he needs to make. Well, unfortunately for him, neither does John and I can't promise that when he does step up to the first team. So he's going to have to do what he can. I know that he's getting some experience over on the, the under national team. So we'll go ahead and get some good experience with those boys over there. And we did have one Harvey Neville play in his first was first match last week. Dan, how'd he do? Uh, you know, Harvey brought some calming presence to the midfield when, you know, Acosta was not there. Acosta is the engine. He is the driving force behind Fort Lauderdale. You know, uh, if, if you go back and look at the attacking group, the attacking group has 70 shots taken with 30 on goal. And Acosta has four assists for the attacking group. And he has created 18 chances himself. You know, Acosta leads the league in both of those categories. Harvey had the, I don't know what you want to say, unfortunate circumstances or fortunate happenstance of coming right in and saying, hey, by the way, we need you. Suit up. Uh, the first game he played in, it was clear that he was still getting his feet wet, still trying to get used to the players who were not his Manchester United Academy lads. Uh but by the second game, he was pulling the strings. He was more comfortable passing the ball back. If he found a lane, he would uh, he would attack and run with it. So, I mean, he was even finding players like Hundal, uh, Venton Evans up front, who, you know, are, are some of the most potent players in the league uh, for Fort Lauderdale. It's I, I would give him a solid B as an overall rating. He needs to focus – on not getting out of position, which again will come with as he learns his role with the team. Uh, once he does that, I see him being a, a massive contributor to the squad. Absolutely, sir. Well, hopefully he keeps getting that playing time that he needs, and hopefully he can join his father at the senior level soon, hopefully in a few years. Again, this has kind of been the theme of the process. Let's go ahead and just develop this talent as it comes. And you know, with that, my friends, my seniors, my hombres, my chicos, my chicas, it is time that we go ahead and leave you. We appreciate you for swinging by the Inner Miami podcast. If you like this podcast, go ahead and give us five stars on Apple Review, as well as a comment. Go ahead and click the subscribe button, do your thing, and follow us on all social medias. Enter mia podcast on twitter enter miami podcast on facebook on instagram go ahead drop us a line we appreciate each and every one of you and as we end every episode want to go ahead and say vamos miami vamos miami wanted to go ahead and dedicate this episode to a fan who passed away from COVID this last year. We would like to send our condolences to a member of La Familia who passed away from COVID 
The family are season ticket holders from the start and sit next to a member in the Inner Miami podcast Discord channel. It was reported that husband Bill was genuinely excited to see a full stadium cheer on Inner Miami, but unfortunately did not see that come to fruition. Our thoughts and prayers go out to Bill's family. And with that is a great reminder to all that there's been a lot of arguing and there's been a lot of fussing, but at the end of the day, we are all family and we are all La Familia. Go ahead and join me in 10 seconds of silence. And with that, we thank you and look forward to seeing you soon.